Let's have a word of prayer and uh, we'll start in chapter 25 of Leviticus. Troy, would you lead us, please? Lord, thank you for the, once again for the opportunity to be in your house, Lord, to, to study your word, Lord, to, to be the best we can be, the closest we can be to you, Lord. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We got the. We ended last week. As a matter of fact, we had a real good uh, uh, study last week. We didn't get very far, but we had a, a great discussion last week about things, and uh, and it was uh, very good. And so, uh, I just pray that uh, the discussion is just as good tonight. We're going to be talking, starting off talking about the uh, seventh year Sabbath of rest. Now, we're going to be talking about rest for the land. And, and other issues tonight uh, that the Lord God commanded them. So if somebody would, would you read uh, uh, the first seven verses, please? And the Lord spake unto Moses in Mount Sinai, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When you come into the land which I give you, then shall the land keep a Sabbath unto the Lord. Six years thou shalt sow thy field, and six years thou shalt prune thy vineyard, and gather in the fruit thereof. And in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. Thou shalt neither sow thy field, nor prune thy vineyard. That which groweth of its own accord of the harvest thou shalt not reap, neither gather the grapes of thy vine undressed, for it is a year of rest unto the land. And the Sabbath of the land shall be meat for you, for thee, for, and for thy servant, and for thy maid, and for thy hired servant, for thy stranger that sojourneth with thee. And for the cattle and for the beasts that are in thy land shall all that increase thereof be meat. So uh, it starts off, notice that it, it, you have to be reminded that they're still in the wilderness. They're not in their land of promise. So all these laws, again, are for when they get to the promised land. And uh, so it reminds us in verse 1 that he, uh, Moses is still uh, hearing from God in, in Mount Sinai. And uh, so... Uh, He's telling them that there's going to be a Sabbath not only for themselves, but there's going to be a Sabbath now for the land. Only it's not a day, it's in years. And so the, he said uh, in, on the seventh year, uh, there'll be, uh, you'll keep a Sabbath for the land. And, uh, and he says, so six years, you get to sow the field, you get to plant and do whatever you want to do and harvest. But on the seventh year, you ain't supposed to plant nothing. And, uh, I imagine there was a lot of questions and a lot of uh, things that people didn't say, uh, but uh, it, it, we're going to get to it here in a minute in uh, verse 18. It's going to pick this back up. So it kind of bounces around from uh, the, the Sabbath year and the, and the year of Jubilee and then back to the Sabbath year. And, uh, and, uh, and, and it just, uh, anyway, it's not all together. So we're, we'll discuss this uh, deeper here in just a little while. But it, it says that it not only applied to the field, but it applied also to their vineyards. And they, they weren't even to prune the vineyards in this year, just let everything grow wild. And, uh, and it says also that uh, they knew that, he knew that a lot of stuff was just gonna come on its own. There was gonna be grapes in the vineyards, whether they pruned them or not. There was gonna be uh, where they gathered crops, they don't gather crops in like they did now. There was still seed in the field. So there was gonna be stuff that was gonna start coming up. And, uh, and uh, when you first glance at this, you think, well, he, he don't even want them to eat that. But that's not what he says. He don't want them to gather it and store it. He don't mind them uh, picking it and, and even eating it, even for the cattle 
he says, uh, he says uh, uh, in verse 5, he said, that which groweth of its own, he's talking about just comes up. How many of you ever planted a garden and the next year, before you ever planted, there was stuff coming up in it from the last year? Uh, watermelons are real bad about doing that when they collapse and the seeds stay in the ground. They'll come up before you ever get a chance to plow them again. And so uh, this is what he's talking about. So he says, when it comes up of its own accord, uh, he said, do not reap it. I mean, don't gather it. Uh, but he says, neither gather the grape from the vines, unrest for it is a year of rest of the Lord. And then he goes on in verse 6, though, and he says that the land shall be for meat for you. So he, he, what he's telling them to do, he's telling them, he said, don't reap it or gather it and put it, store it, or keep, try to keep it for nectar. Eat it as you collect it, is what he's saying. So he's, he's allowing them to pick it. And then he says, it'll be for me, for you, and, and for thee, and for thy servant, for thy maid, for thy hired servant, for the stranger that's sojourner. Everybody can, can just go in and, and get this stuff and eat it. Okay? It's not for store. And so he says, even the cattle, you can let the cattle get out there and eat it if you want to. He didn't care about that. He, he, he wanted the land to rest. It's like all you eat catfish, you couldn't want no doggy bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you know what, this, these, I think this is where it was when God established this. After seven periods of these seven years, that's 49 years. The next year was their jubilee. Mm -hmm. And then there was a lot of benefits to that. Right. But I think this got them in trouble because at one point they stopped. They planted anyway in that seventh year. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's in some more scriptures somewhere. But it, Oh, yeah, we're fixing to get it, right it, in. You got them in trouble. Yeah. yeah. But he's given these uh, these uh, these instructions to them in years, and it's going to uh, it's going to be about a land that they don't even have. And then he even gets into here in a few minutes into fifty years and land they still don't have. And uh, so they're they're caught, they don't know it yet, but they're quite a few years away from uh, from getting what they they want because of their sin. All right. Any questions about about the seventh the Sabbath year? Okay. And, and how many of you have ever uh, raised gardens in the same spot? And if you'll notice something about that, every year it gets a little harder and a little harder to grow good stuff. First year you plant boys great, the second year it's okay. And then, and I because I, I did that. Uh, I'm, I've used one garden spot for several years, and the last uh, few years I used it, it was really hard to get anything to grow. You had to really work on it and fertilize it, and they didn't have access to the kind of fertilizers they used barnyard uh, fertilizer. They used dung, I guess, but it, and the fields that they would have to do, uh, because they, they couldn't go to Berkshire and Walmart like we can, so they had to grow everything they ate, and uh, and so they. Uh, they Do you had think to, that's the purpose? Do you think that's why? I, I think it is, was to let the land uh, yeah, gather back its yeah, nutrients, yeah. let these crops come up or the weeds or whatever and die and get back in there because that's where it all comes and, from and to begin with. Give nutrients back to the earth. Right. Go read an article, you know, we thought 1960 compared to a bowl of spinach. Okay, just a bowl of spinach. A bowl of spinach in 1960, it would. One bowl, it would take six a day to equal one, what the vitamins in one bowl in 1960. That's right. I mean, so that's how, that shows how much we've over 
fertilized fertilize. and overused the earth and hadn't done what God said do. If the farmers would do what God said do, yeah, it would be like that. And, and, and do you think we could? Even yes. with the population yeah. we have? Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, they still pay farmers not to plant crops right. because yeah. they can't eat everything that they grow. And so they still have those uh, those things. So we actually could do this. And uh, but, but if you'll think about this, now we have all these uh, souped-up fertilizers and all this stuff that they put on the uh, soil to grow things. And once they start growing it, they spray stuff across it. To, and, and a lot of people think, well, that's insecticide. No, it's not all that it is. Some of the uh, corn that they grow now has already got the, act, uh, uh, the insecticide in it. When they put it in the ground, ain't a bug gonna touch it. And that's kind of spooky to me. Because that bug's too, uh, ain't gonna eat it, then what are we doing eating it, you know? But, but if you've noticed in the last few years how much bigger people Getting. They have put exactly. growth hormones, they have done all of this stuff uh, uh, scientifically and, and made all these hybrid seeds and everything and they make it grow where it grows bigger, it grows faster and, and we eat that stuff and a lot of people you know think well how come the kids are getting so much bigger? Duh, we're eating that stuff. You need to start eating just a little bit more. I used to work in chicken houses across from me. Arnold Hyde had some chicken houses, and then and the little bitties, of course, they had, I think those were 35,000 chickens a house, the smaller houses. But if one of them had a little blemish, he'd let me have them. And they'd usually grow out of it. He just didn't have time to fool with anything like that, you know. And mine would still be yellow feathers when they're selling those of all the stuff, the arsenic and everything they put in that feed. Mm -hmm. And we're eating it right up. That's so right. Like, you know, when yeah. I was a kid, you see somebody wore a 12 shoe, that was a monster, eh? Uh -huh. They were 14s and 15s. Oh, and yeah. Yeah. And the fifth grade girl. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah. That fifth grade girl way bigger than me. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you'd, think, you'd swear they were in 10th grade. And, and, and see, it's not only a, a high thing, it's a, it's a weight thing that goes along with that because all this stuff is made to grow bigger. Even the, the beef that we eat and stuff, they, they inject them with all these chemicals to make them grow bigger, faster. And they end up having diabetes and heart disease and stuff in there. Yeah. 30, 14 different eggs with double yolks in them in a row. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff that's going on that we're doing, and and this I think this is why the Lord wanted them to be able to do that to let the land naturally. Y'all, He made this world. He, he created the heaven and the earth. He created the earth to sustain us, and He's telling them this is what you need to do to keep that process going. And and He knew that they, even though they planted one field that. They could plant, do without planting, and plant somewhere else they wanted to. He didn't say they couldn't alternate planting in fields, mm -hmm. and every seventh year give that particular field rest. That ain't what he. He didn't tell them they couldn't do that, but he did tell them when they when they plant their fields, you continuously plant that field every seven eight, uh, six years. Don't plant it the seventh year, so it can it can uh, get back to the, the stuff that it needs. I would, to. I would hear Papa talk about <clears throat> new ground. Mm -hmm. You heard him use that term? Yeah. And I asked Granny, what is new ground? And she said Papa would, would rotate his cross in different areas. Right. And he would always like that new ground. Mm -hmm. That's where he would get the peas. Peas would put, put nitrogen into the soil and watermelons and corn would pull it out. Yeah. 
And even far, uh, ranchers alternate their cattle from field to field, and their hay crop from field to field. And it, it's a, there's a process. Well, this is all given by design from God uh, to, to be able to do this. Okay, let's talk about the year of Jubilee now. Somebody read for me verses 8 through 17, please. And you shall count seven Sabbaths of years for yourself, seven times seven years, and the time of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be to you forty-nine years. Then you shall cause the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month, on the day of atonement, and you shall make the trumpet to sound throughout all your land. And you shall consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you, and each of you shall return to its possession, and each of you shall return to his family. That fiftieth year shall be a jubilee to you. In it you shall grow, you shall neither sow nor reap what grows of its own accord, nor gather the grapes of your untended vine. For it is the Jubilee. It shall be holy to you. You shall eat its produce from the field. In this year of Jubilee, each of you shall return to his possession. And if you sell anything to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor's hand, you shall not oppress one another. According to the number of years after the Jubilee, you shall buy from your neighbor. And according to the number of years of crops, he shall sell to you. According to the multitude of years, you shall increase its price, and according to the fewer number of years, you shall diminish its price. For he sells to you according to the number of the years of the crops. Therefore, you shall not oppress one another, but you shall fear your God, for I am the Lord your God. And so when you, when you look at this, it gets just a little bit more complicated. Uh, because it's not just talking about crops anymore. I was talking. It, it, this is going to cover the 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 the, the time that uh, the jubilee. When the jubilee gets here, it involves more than just growing food. It involves debt. It involves uh, someone selling their land. It involves someone becoming a servant. Uh, they didn't allow the uh, uh, Jewish people to become slaves to one another but they did allow them to be hired servants to one another because they would get in debt and, and that's the way they would have to pay back uh, what they had borrowed from somebody. They became an indentured servant to them and they would draw a wage from them. And so the, it involved all of that because in the year of Jubilee, all that changed. And so uh, it, it was a big deal. So it says, uh, it, it's everything, if you'll notice, is in sevens, sevens, sevens. And, and uh, so the, even the years of the Jubilee and even the month that they blew the trumpet to begin this, it didn't begin in the first month. It began in the seventh month. I'm surprised it wasn't on the seventh day, but it wasn't it's on the tenth day. And, and, it, and it started on the Day of Atonement. Now, the Day of Atonement was where they sacrificed the animal that would roll away the sins of the nation for a year. It was, uh, that was the year of atonement or the time of atonement uh, that he's talking about. And this is when this trumpet would sound on the 50th year and everybody knew they were looking for it. Now, now can you imagine, can you, you know, it's like paying for a, a car or a truck. You meant paying on that thing. They used to only let you pay on three years. Now they let you go seven, eight years if you want to. 
and uh, and and you just you you keep paying, you keep paying. I ain't ever gonna get it paid off. And you'll look it up, and you'll see when am I gonna get. It. You can't wait for that time comes. Well, these people were anxiously awaiting getting out of debt, getting their land back, getting things back the way it ought to be. Some of them had been the whole 50 years. And so they were already old people by the time it, uh, this came. So they were telling their kids, we're gonna get all this back. Everybody was waiting for this trumpet to sound because this was a time that it was, that it was gonna happen. And so he said uh, he, he, wanted it to, he wanted to proclaim it uh, a time of liberty. Look in verse 10, I like that. And you shall hallow the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land. I like that, don't you? Do you think God believes in liberty? <laughs> huh? Absolutely. He absolutely does. He wants us all to, to know what liberty it is. It was a reset for everybody. It was a reset for everybody, you know. Yeah, yeah. The Lord didn't want those people governing one another and, and making slaves out of one another and stealing one another's land. Hey, he gave this land to these people for an inheritance, and by the when he gave it to them, it was theirs. Amen? And so he wanted to make sure it stayed where he gave it. Now, he, he knew that it was, uh, he understands debt, and you know, God's good in economics. If you'll notice, he understood that there was people that was going to have to have help sometime. And, and look at this. He didn't want them to just get it gave to them. You get out there and you got something, get something for that, and we'll get it back for you here later on. So think about that. So the year of Jubilee, it, it reminds us, I wrote this down, it reminds us of God's interest in liberty. God wants us to be liberated. He wants us to know what liberty is. God wants us to be free. Amen? Yeah. Amen. How does he make us free? He whom the Son is set free is free indeed, and he said the truth will set you free. We have two methods of freedom from the Lord, through his Son and through truth. And so we need to always stand. It stands for a witness for God's desire for justice on earth. He don't want a man to become in, enslaved to another man forever. He don't, he don't intend for that. He don't want that to happen. So it's not his desire. It's a desire for justice on earth and cause them to question any social practice that leads to permanent bondage. Now think about that. Because, you know, we see this today. What is the big thing now that they're pushing? It's called social justice. God don't, don't stand for that kind of stuff. Okay? He, he wants, he don't want a permanent bondage or loss of economic opportunity. He wants everybody to have an equal chance. He wants everybody to to be on the same playing field, but he, he knows that there's some people that's going to excel and there's some people that's going to work really hard and excel. He also knows there's others that's going to work really hard and they're going to fail. Okay, so this is who this is for. Because he, he, he'll tell you right quick in his word, when you look in Proverbs, he said, if a man won't work, he don't eat. So he's not talking to people who just won't. He's talking about people who tried and failed and he's making a way for them to be able to succeed and gives them a new opportunity years down the road to succeed okay don't you know as great as the 
<clears throat> as greedy as men are whenever you wanted to borrow money or you needed help, it's like, okay, but now we're seven years from Jubilee. You're going to have to really, I imagine we adjusted to that. For only three years, I'm going to have to, you're going to have to work real hard. <laughs> you know, and, and if, if, if it had just passed, you'd have the 40 years. So I, I would imagine that we, uh, we took advantage of that. Well, he, he's going to make laws. That, and we're gonna we're gonna see this here in just a minute because he, he's talking about he, he says he does this for to return every man in verse ten unto his possession and he shall return every man unto his family. A lot of these indentured servants were uh, taken away from their families to serve out a, a, a sentence for borrowing or, or for having bills paid that they, they couldn't sustain themselves. And instead of having a welfare system, he went to someone else that was doing good, and he he sold himself to them, you might say. And and they said, okay, we're gonna we're gonna let you come over here. We're gonna let you work for us. We're gonna let we're gonna feed you. We're gonna house you. We're gonna clothe you. We're not gonna make you work day and night. We're gonna be good to you. You know, you got this land over here. We're gonna take this land. We're gonna use it. And we're going, to, we're going to all work together for this. That's what it was designed to look like. It's not a welfare system, okay, like, like we have today. And, he's, and it was all designed to one day be given back to those people who had owned it to begin with. So that means there was no deeds, there were no documents. All of this stuff was done at, 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 the, at the gate of the city before a, a prophet or a prophetess or a judge that stood in an elder. It was all done, and then something, you know, they take the shoe and do weird things with the shoes and all that stuff, and I don't know enough about that to describe it, but they didn't have to have a, 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 a deed or an indoor written. It was just everybody knew, knew it, and it was common knowledge. And so uh, a, a jubilee, that the 50th year shall be unto you, you shall not sow. Now, on this 50th year, was going to also be uh, a Sabbath year of rest. Okay, the same the same thing still applied to this. So while all these transactions was going back and kneel, now now you got to understand this. Uh, a lot of those people on the fiftieth year weren't able to 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 plant their crops. So guess what? They were reliant on someone to feed them for a year. Well, we're going to get into that's going to be a longer period than that. We're going to look at that here in a minute. It goes into detail about how, how this process is going to work. And if you just think about it, it ain't just, okay, I don't get to grow nothing this year. I don't get to store food this year. So what does that in reality does? That sixth year got to be a great year. The seventh year, they just get to eat out of the field. The eighth year, they got to wait on it to grow. Okay? Think about that. So it's a, it's a lot involved in this. It, it sounds simple, and so the Lord realizes that, that what he's asking them to do, so he's going to make provision for them so they can get through this time, okay? The Lord don't make, do anything, don't tell us to do anything that he don't make a way for us to do it, okay? All right? Any questions about this so far? So he said, you don't sow, you don't gather grapes, uh, for it is the jubilee, it shall be holy unto you, you shall eat the increase thereof out of the field. So if you want to go out there and eat grapes, go out there in the field, pull them, eat them. Go out there and bust the watermelon. I love doing that. <laughs> bust the watermelon and get the hearts out. Boy, that's some good watermelon right there. I would, even during hogs, you know, when people quit harvesting their watermelon, 
when I was a little boy, I used to love to hit that field when it was like that. And, and they called them hog mountains because a lot of people used to throw them to the hogs. I was a hog. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> and so you just go out there in the field, bust that watermelon, boy, them things were good. And, amen. If you put, brought it in the house, put it on the table, cut it, it wouldn't have been fit to eat. But boy, out there in that field, it was good. Amen. And so because it's a year of jubilee, you're going to keep this holy uh, unto the Lord. And if you sell aught unto thy neighbor, or buy from your neighbor, uh, neighbor's hand, you shall not oppress one another. So he's saying, okay, now in this year, if you don't have enough food gathered up, then you, uh, I'm gonna allow you to go to your neighbor and buy. I'm also gonna allow your neighbor to sell to you, but you will not skin him. No price gouging, yeah. okay? Boy, our government need to learn that, no. <laughs> no price gouging. And if you and if you sell it to them on credit, no interest. Think about it. God's making provision. He loves His people, and He don't want them skinning each other. Okay? He don't want them taking advantage of, of each other. He wants us to. He, he He don't want us in the church to do that. He wants us to love one another, care for one another, meet the needs of one another, even think of others higher than we think of ourselves. And that's what he's trying to teach these people, something that's coming in the New Testament. They need to learn this now. Didn't learn it very good, Troy. But they, he's trying to get them to, okay? And so he says, uh, when you do this with your neighbor, I'm all out of this. And then he says in verse 16, according to the multitude of years, thou shalt increase the price thereof. And according to the fewness of years, thou shalt diminish the price thereof. For according to the number of the years of the fruits, doth he sell unto thee. So, so what he's trying to tell you is that, uh, that the closer to the end that it gets, uh, don't charge so much, right? At the beginning, you can't, but not at the end. You know, the closer it gets to the end, he said, is the time diminishes. And we're also gonna find out in a, in a little while that these people were all able to buy back before the year of Jubilee, okay? So we, there's a lot coming down through here. And so he said in verse 17, you shall not therefore oppress one another. That's his whole reasoning behind setting it up this way. Now remember, these are God's rules. These are God's laws. They didn't have a choice in, uh, in writing them. They didn't have a choice in picking them. They only had a choice, you obey them. That's the only choice they had. And if they didn't, they'd pay a price for that. You'd see to it. Okay, so he's, he, he, everybody's in the same boat. Everybody's got the same law. Everybody's got the same regulation. He knew that some of the land wasn't as good as other parts of the land. He knew that. Everybody didn't get best land. But he divided it up the way he wanted them to have. Actually, they drew lots for it. If you remember how this is going to come down later on, they're going to draw lots for it. And so, uh, so he, he knew that some of them was going to have good land, some of them was going to have bad land. You know, it's a difference between li living on a hill like I do and living down in a hole like some people do. <laughs> When that rain comes on my hill, you know what it does? It takes everything away. Right. First time I ever planted a garden, I boy, that thing was pretty. I had cantaloupe vines and just fixed to lay down, watermelon vines, fixed. I had peas up that tall. Oh, it was beautiful. I had the, I had the, uh, uh, the yellow things. Squash. Squash. I couldn't get it out. I already had blooms on my plants, and boy, I was so happy, and here come a gully washer. 
at that one night. And I looked down there the next day, I couldn't even see nothing green down there. It was just all gone, covered with sand. Man, that was that was irritating. But that's you know, he God knew that they they would have spots like that and they had land like that. So when this happened, they were going to help one another. He made provision to help each other. Okay? So he didn't want them to, to oppress one another. And and when he says that, I like verse 17, he says, Ye shall not therefore oppress one another, but thou shalt fear me. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Don't you oppress one another, you better be afraid of me. You better be you better fear thy God, for I am the Lord your God. I've said it. I don't want you to oppress one another. When you do, you got to deal with me. You better be afraid for that. So, you know, fear uh, is a great motivator sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't stop doing some things when I was a kid because I wanted to stop. I, I stopped doing some things because I was afraid of the belt that came if I did them, okay? And so that's what he's trying to tell them. All right, any questions about this? All right, we're fixing to go back now to the Sabbath year, <laughs> and we're going to talk about it just a little more. The, the land shall yield her fruit. Uh, uh, somebody read for me verses 18 through 22, please. You shall thus observe my statutes and keep my judgments, so as to carry them out that you may live uh, securely on the land. Then the land will yield its produce so that you can eat your fill and live securely on it. But if you say, what are we going to eat on the seventh year? If we do not sow or gather in our crops, then I will so order my blessing for you in the sixth year that it will bring forth the crop for three years. When you are sowing the eighth year, you can still eat old things from the crop, eating the old until the ninth year when its crops come in. Alright, so he said, he, he's reading your minds, <laughs> he, he, he's asking the question for them. I don't know where any of them asked the question, that's where they even realized what was coming down, because like I said, they're still in the wilderness, they don't have this land. They have been building bricks and raising cattle, they hadn't been farmers in Egypt, and, and so uh, some of them may have, but he, when he gave them all this stuff, it's kind of like he pauses and thinks, no questions? Well, let me show you one. Let me show you one. And if you shall say, what shall we eat the seventh year? That was the most logical question, wasn't it? He said, we shall not sow nor gather in our, uh, in our increase. So what did he tell them that he would do? Bless them. He said, I'm going to bless that sixth year. Well, that's pretty cool, isn't it? He said, I'm going to, I'm going to bless that. I, I will command my blessing." Let me ask you this. What's he saying here? It's a cripple. Who makes the crop grow? He does. Who gives the increase in the land? He does. It's all from him. Listen to me. We, we, that's the lesson we need to learn. He can heat. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, just like Job said. He can give you increase or he can give you decrease. And it all depended on their obedience to his commands. And he wanted them to know that. And just to show them that he was God, that they better fear him, he said on this sixth year, I'm going to give you enough crops for three years. 
That's where I was talking about a while ago. He's going to give you enough crops. He said, uh, verse 21, Then I will command my blessing upon you in the sixth year, and it shall bring forth fruit for three years. Can you imagine when they were planting that corn, or they were planting that wheat, or they were planting all that stuff, and the Lord's up there said, I command you to grow enough for him for three years. Wow. That's some power, isn't it? You know, what even further that, brother? You know, when he, at the initial creation, when he covered the earth with foliage and plants and vegetation and all that, he, he probably already put it in their DNA to know when to do it at the right time, <laughs> when right. it came, yeah. you know? Yeah, he, did. he let them know when it was seed time. He let them know when it was harvest. He let them know when it was to grow. He let them know when it was time not to grow. They knew that. <laughs> We serve an awesome God. He taught everything, didn't he? Amen. It's us. That we ain't caught up with him yet. And, and we ain't going to. And it says, so he said, I'm going to give you enough. I'm going to command my blessing upon you in the sixth year. Now, that's a commandment I like, don't you? <laughs> that's, that's a commandment everybody wanted him to keep. And it shall bring forth fruit for three years. And because and, uh, so, he said, okay, on the sixth year, I'm going to give you this gigantic, increase and on the seventh year you don't get to plant nothing so you're going to eat uh, from your storehouse on the sixth year you're going to start eating on it after the crops are gathered you're going to start eating on it right, then when the seventh year when it's time to planting it you ain't plant nothing so you've been eating on that from the time of harvest to the time of uh, seed time now you got to keep eating on it now you can go out in the field and you can pick things up that grow up all on their own that's cool but that ain't going there not enough to, to feed a, a 1.2 or 1.5 million of you, okay, or more. That ain't going to be enough. So you're going to have to have these storehouses. You're going to have this stuff stored up, and I'm going to give you enough to fill them up, okay? And, and he says then, uh, then that year you don't get to plant nothing, so you get all the way to harvest time again. Now you've been a full year, and you're still eating off the sixth year. And then you... Uh, then you've got to wait till the next year for seed time to plant it again because there's off-growing seasons like you're talking about and all of that. After seed time wasn't at the end of the year. It was, it was our seed, when's the end of our growing season? Oh, we got a farmer. What? Huh? You can do that, but usually by the time the first frost is shows up, it's over with. Sometimes we get that early, sometimes we get it late, but when we get it, that growing, you might grow some turnip grains or something like that. Uh, but, you know, you, there's a season to, to plant, and there's a season that it, it, you don't do no good plant. And so that season was involved in this too. And so they, they, then when they got to the time of seed time for the, uh, the year after the Jew, Jew, I called it the eighth year, it'd actually be the first year, now they get to plant, but guess what? They still, they still eat now this sixth year until they got to wait till this grows so they can touch it. Until the ninth year. So there's a lot involved in, in this. There's a lot involved. And the Lord said, I'm going to give you enough on the sixth year to last you three years. That's cool, isn't it? You know what that means? At the end of the 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 uh, the, uh, the seventh year, even at the end of the eighth year, there was still food left for them to eat while they harvested. That's cool, isn't it? But he did it in a way that they have to work. Oh yeah. He could have just said, "Well, you know, 
it's God. He could have said, well, you won't be hungry on that year. It'd be easy, easy task for God, but but he wanted to include them to obey him, and they had to work hard to get this harvested up. And they had, they had to help each other out. All of these people understood this concept. Why did they understand this concept? Where did they come from? From Egypt. They came from Egypt. What happened in Egypt? A drought. <laughs> <laughs> who, who got the word that helped them survive the drought? When, when they came, when they came there, he put it up. He when they the came store. there, they yeah, knew. God told him he what to do. Yeah, yeah. God told him. So they understood this concept. It went seven years without it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, Jacob! Jacob never starved to death when he finally broke down, went to Egypt, and got food. Yeah. <laughs> And the only reason they got any food is because they had it stored up there. So they understood it. They had all heard this story. Every yeah. one of them, and they sat around them campfire tonight, and they talked about Joseph. Amen? Yeah. When they, uh, hey, he took his bone. They, yeah, they still had his bone yes, with them. Well, well, this time, he still, he, they got his bone him. with them. And buried him when they crossed that river, didn't they? Uh, they did well, they, they, it tells when they bury him. I don't remember exactly, but... When they went into the promised land, they, yeah, they told it that with the ark and all that. Yeah, yeah. And so so they, they understand very well this concept of what God's talking about. And they already knew that, that, that when he said fear God, they already knew he did that. They already knew that. Okay? And so they're going to have to believe him because he, he's not playing with them. And so he, he, they know that, and you know, if there was any doubt when that sixth year came, and they got out there and went to what, looking at them crops, coming, man, we got the prettiest crops we ever had this year. Look at this stuff. Look at that corn. You usually get five ears. There's 10 ears. There's 15 ears on that corn. On one stalk. Why? To leave you enough for three years. Listen to me. He commanded that corn to do that. I, I, I can't pass that. That's so cool to me. I hate it for the people that had to build the wagons and the bushel baskets. <laughs> they didn't have time to help harvest. They yeah. didn't and you, you just talk about so how to work. Can you imagine how hard they had to work to Absolutely. harvest three times as much as they would in one year? And, and once they seen it, you know, the first time, then they, they knew to prepare for it. That's yeah. how they... Probably borrowed other people and not slavery, but close to it. Yeah, we got to get this up. We got to get this going on. We got to do all this, and then they had to have a place to put that much supplies. They were going to have to. Not only was this to feed people, it had to sustain their animals. Man, it, it, this is a big deal. A lot going on here. All right, so now he uh, he goes back. He he starts talking about the redemption of the land. If somebody will read, read me uh, verses, this is going to be a long one. 23 through 34, please. The land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine, for you are strangers and sojourners with me. And in all the land of your possession, you shall grant a redemption for the land. If thy brother be waxen poor and have sold away some of his possessions, and if any of his kin come to redeem it, then shall he redeem that which his brother sold. And if the man have none to redeem it, and himself be able to redeem it, then let him count the years of the sale thereof, and restore the overplus unto the man to whom he sold. He sold it, that he may return unto his possession. But if he be not able to restore it, 
to him, then that which is sold shall remain in the hand of him that hath bought it until the year of the jubilee, and in the jubilee it shall go out, and he shall return unto his possession. And if a man sell a dwelling house in a walled city, then he may redeem it within a whole year after it is sold. Within a full year may he redeem it. And if he and if it be not redeemed within the space of a full year, then the house that is in the walled city shall be established forever to him that bought it throughout his generations. It shall not go out in the jubilee. But the houses of the villages which, which have no wall around about them shall be counted as the fields of the country. They may be redeemed, and they shall go out in the jubilee. Notwithstanding the cities of the Levites and the houses of the cities of their possession, may the Levites redeem at any time. And if a man purchase of the Levites, then the house that was sold in the city of his possession shall go out in the year of the jubilee, for the house of the cities of the Levites are their possession among the children of Israel. But the field of the suburbs of their cities may not be sold, for it is their perpetual possession. So the Lord makes exceptions in his own commandments. And this is, this is a whole lot that she just read. And I guess we could have broke it up into smaller pieces. But he, he, he makes a statement in verse 23. The land shall not be sold forever. The land is important. The, that's why he called it, called it the promised land. The land of promise. The land flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to, he said to them, I'm going to give it to you for a possession. And he didn't aim for it to be belong to one person. He wanted every one of them to have some of it. So when they had 12 tribes, when they when they got there, it was all divided up, even some before uh, the, on the other side of Jordan. On the on the east side of Jordan, the west side of Jordan, he gave he gave it to them uh, this possession for them to have forever. Hey, listen, they still fighting over it right now. Right. Amen. I just I, I would just love to know if they even know whose tribe is who anymore. It, it, I, I doubt very seriously. It don't matter. It ain't about tribes anymore. It's about a, a land that God has given to a people and it's theirs and nobody's going to get taken away from them. Amen? He'll punish them when they sin. The, the worst thing he can do to them is to take them away from that land and he's done it several times. But the promise that he gave to Abraham will be fulfilled. That land belongs to them. It ain't, they ain't going to stay away from it forever. They're going to they gonna keep it and they're going to, I tell you what, there's going to be a big war over that place one of these days. Amen. When you see the actual map of what really what all God gave them, mm -hmm. they still have all that it's yet. It's way bigger than the little speck they're living on now. But even even after that, when the Antichrist comes to establish that peace through it, he's going to divide it up some more. That's right. Which is really <laughs> going to bring God's peace. How, does, how are the borders established? Does anybody know? How were the borders for Israel he established? Sent them, he sent them out, didn't he? Joshua did, didn't he? Mm -hmm. Well, they established before Israel ever showed up. It was established before Abraham was there. I mean, before it, uh, what's that? But Israel didn't. They didn't call the land that It was established before Jacob was ever born. Yeah, but they, 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 they Remember what he told yeah. Abraham? He said, I want you to take off. There you go. 
And he said, everywhere you put your foot, I want to give it to your people. I'm going to give it to your descendants. Every place you're, and so all you got to do is look at a, a map a of Abraham's journey, and that is Iraq. the promised land. Yeah, a lot of Iraq and <laughs> yeah. all of Jordan <laughs> and in the Egypt. Everywhere that man put his foot, the Lord says, give it to you. Every step, that's mine, that's mine, and it still is. <laughs> That ain't changed with God. I don't care who, who's got their name stamped on it right now. Yeah, I thought they were supposed to take the land up to the Tiger River or somewhere like that. And they didn't take it up. The Tigris River? I, I don't know where the boundaries are. I just know that everywhere Abraham was Abraham lived down below that when he called him out. Yeah, but that's where the problem is, too, with the man, is that Abraham was the father of more than one nation. <laughs> Yeah, but the, the promise was not given to all of those people. It was. There was a part of that promise for everybody because he said, in your seed, every nation will be blessed. And he's not talking about land now. He's talking about Christ. Because Christ is a descendant of Abraham. But they call him Father Abraham just as They well. sure do. And that's why they war right now because they, they, they think they have as much claim to that land as anybody else does because of uh, they come from Abraham also. And so uh, and, and so the, he said, in all the land of your possession, you shall grant a redemption for the land. So there's going to be a, a way, since it can't be sold forever, it can be sold temporarily. It can be sold for a sum of money, and, but you have to make a, a, a way uh, for a person to redeem their land back, okay? And it don't make any difference how long you've had it, how much money that he he, he makes away from to be able to get that money of that land back. And, and he gives them an example. He said, so if your brother waxes poor and has sold away some of his possessions, and if any of his kin folks want to redeem the farm, they can. And we, how many remember the who is the the most known kinsman redeemer of the Old Testament? Jesus Christ. No. No. <laughs> Old Testament. Wait, I mean, wait a minute. The, the Old Testament. Boaz. Oh, Boaz. Boaz. Boaz was a kinsman redeemer yeah. uh, for Ruth and Naomi. And he, remember, there was somebody closer to kin to them than he was. And he, he, he wanted to marry this Ruth woman. But he had to, he had to redeem Naomi and he had to redeem her land and establish her back in Israel. And they, they, was, they was some kinfolk closer kin than him. And he went to them and he told them, he talked to them about it. I want, I want to redeem them. And that guy said, that'd be all right. And they, done, they swapped shoes or they something about a shoe back at that time. And they did that shoe thing and he was able to redeem them and he was able to marry Ruth. And so he was a he was a kinsman redeemer. It's what he's talking about here. So he said, if, if any of his kin come to redeem it, then shall he redeem it. Now the kinsman didn't get to it. Uncle Joe didn't come and redeem it for for uh, Troy. And Uncle Joe said, okay, I bought this land. It's mine now. Uh. -uh. When that redeemer showed up, he bought it and gave it back to Troy. You said a while ago, Christ is our kinsman redeemer. Yep. That's exactly what he's done for me and you, for all of us. That's probably a picture of the Gentiles being grafted into the wild olive branch. Amen. With the wild branch. Yes, sir. And he brought them in and made them part of the 
promised too. Yeah. Jesus Christ is our kinsman, kinsman redeemer. And so he said, uh, so he makes this that uh, where the kinfolk can buy, uh, then shall he redeem that which his brother sold. And if the man have none to redeem it and himself be able to redeem it, he can. The, let, let him count the years of the sale thereof. Now here, here's the thing. Okay, so the the kid, the, redeem, the, the, the poor guy, he said, okay, I'm gonna have, I, I don't have any money. I don't have any way to sustain my family. So, and he goes to someone else and he said, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you buy my land. And, and everybody knows in the year of Jubilee, 50 years, that, or whenever that time comes, that year of Jubilee, the 50th year, this man is going to be able to get his stuff back. Well, say this man has this for 40 years. Say he gives, say he gives uh, Glenn, he gives Glenn $500. And he, he's got Glenn's land now, and he hits his to the Jubilee. Well, every year of that Jubilee, that land worth 10 bucks. Think about it. Now, this is what he's telling them. So, if he's had, if, if this guy's had Glenn's land for 30 years, that, that, that means it's, he, he's got, uh, he's done paid him back $300 because he's working for this guy. So if he wants to buy his land back, how much does he owe this guy? He owes him $200. So he made a way, if he wants to do this early, he can. He can pay this guy back and he can redeem his land himself. But he says at the end of the year of Jubilee, it goes back to him whether he's paid you a penny or not in cash because he served you that long. Okay. No rent on. <laughs> no, it ain't rent on. It ain't rent on. And so he said that that's what he's talking about. Let him count the years of sale and restore the overplus unto the man uh, to whom he sold it, that he may return unto his possession. So, that, like I said, they had this divided up into years. This was in the agreement. However much money it was and however many years, they divided it up by 50 years, and every year it was worth that much. And, it, and when he got ready to to, uh, to redeem it for himself, you know, that guy, and that just goes to show you about the liberty that God allowed these people to have because this guy was able to work for the man he sold his land to and able to save up money working for them. That's how good that guy was to him. Think about that. You know, in modern Judaism now, I've seen a lot of videos on it when they, rabbis get together and they're teaching for certain they got subtitles on in English about, you know, they're in the Old Testament now, but when they're preaching each other, I mean a good 70% of what they're talking about is loving one another and a fellow Jew and not doing a fellow Jew wrong. Mm -hmm. they're, re they're real strong on that. Yeah, they sure are, and they, they're supposed to be. God has taught them, and they teach them that just right here, that they are to be able to help one another in this way. And so, uh, let's see. Uh, but if he not be able to restore it to him, then that which is sold shall remain in the hand of him that had bought it until the year of Jubilee, and then it shall go out and shall return unto his possession. Now, now he makes some exceptions to this rule. Okay, he said because we're talking because he knew some of the cities were going to be walled cities. Okay. He also knew, God knew in advance, and he may have already told the Levites it, but they hadn't understood it yet, that they will not have a land of their own. Mm -hmm. 
Okay? And that there were certain cities designated for the Levites where they had houses on the walls. Okay? And they also had land that surrounded the city. Why far? Anybody remember? For their, you talking about the Levites? Uh-huh. To store their cattle. For, their, for their, their cattle and their sheep that were going to be used for sacrificial offerings. That's what they had abused when Jesus Christ came on. They were skinning people with these sacrificial offerings and things and what they would make them pay because nobody could get that land from them. It was theirs forever. And it wasn't even negotiable for Jubilee. Okay? They couldn't nobody take it away from them. Couldn't nobody get it. It was theirs and it was theirs given by God. Everybody knew it. And so they did what they wanted to with it. And they got corrupted by it. Okay? So he, so he says, so if a man sell a dwelling house in a walled city, then he may redeem it. Now look at this. Within a year. So if you've got a house in town behind a wall and you sell it, you've got a year to get back. Now listen to the rule. He said you got a year. He may redeem it within a whole year after he sold it. Within a full year, he, may he redeem it. And if, if it be not redeemed within the space of a full year, then the house that is in the wall city shall be established forever to he that bought it. It don't go back to him in the year of Jubilee. It stays with the person that bought it. This only applies to the walled city. Okay? And, and then he says, uh, he says, but the houses of the villages, now the villages were the smaller towns that didn't have walls around them. And he said, they're going to be treated like the fields. Anything sold there would be returned back in your Jew. Not my rules, God's rules. <laughs> so he, he made these exceptions. Notwithstanding the cities of the Levites, now he's talking about the Levites because he designated the cities, the cities that would belong to them, and the houses of the cities of the possession may the Levites redeem at any time. So the Levites were free to they could they could sell them and it go back to them in the year of Jubilee, or they could redeem them at any time. But there, there was a stipulation with the Levites: if a man purchased of the Levites in the house that was sold in the city of possession shall go out in the year of Jubilee. It had come back to him in verse 33, verse 34. But the field of the suburbs outside the city, and, and the Lord told them when he gave it to them, they were to go to the city wall, and they were to walk so many steps away. And all the way around the city, if that city was 1,500 square miles, then they got so many steps for 1,500 square miles that belonged to them. The best land, the prime land, the land everybody wanted belonged to them. Okay? And so he said the field of the suburbs of their cities may not be sold. It was theirs. For it is their perpetual possession. That means it's there. Ain't nobody else ever going to own this but them. Why? <laughs> because they were the designated people 
to take care of his tabernacle. And when they got these cities and they got the temples, they were his designated people to take care of his house. Well, he told him, he said, I'm their possession. That's right. He said, I'm their That's what he said. He said, I am their possession. God. God is their possession. And I'm going to give them this right here. And nobody's ever going to be able to lay their hand on it. But then, it's theirs. And so I thought that was pretty cool. Y'all, any questions? We're about to run out of time. So we'll stop right here. And uh, we'll start back up in verse uh, 35. Which will be, what day? The 28th? 7th and the 28th. Okay. Any, any comments about this? I did read And I'm thinking it was, it's, it was weird. But it was like... Uh, Alexander of the Great's library, when when it got burned down and destroyed, from that point on the Jewish people lost their that was that was where it was stored of what family you come from. So from that point on, no no Jewish person, according to what I read, <clears throat> knows what tribe they're from. It don't surprise me a bit. But it, it was in Alexander the Great's that, that was the documents he had stored and when it when it burnt that's when they lost it. And the, and the reason why it was there, Alexander the Great had that library, I believe it, right? King Solomon had married, or one of his offspring had married a Greek. one of the pharaohs, uh, I mean one of the, uh, a Greek, yeah. in, a, in a kingship, and that's how, yeah. what's her name? The famous queen, what, anyway, that's how it wound up there. Yeah. She took it and put it there. Yeah. I can't remember what her name is. So, so no Jewish guy now knows would know ever what tribe he has no way of knowing what tribe. Yeah, but he does. He knows who they are. God, and they're gonna be. No, every one of them. They're gonna be. Uh, oh yeah, he knows how many forty hundred forty four thousand. He knows who one. the he knows who the attached uh, uh, heirs are. You know. You know. Do you ever think about this? Like the millennial reign when Christ comes and the clouds of glory. Saints come with him, and the Jews, the remnant's going to be saved. That's when the promises will be fulfilled. Now they're going to be with him in their land. All over that thousand years, it's going to be restored, according to Isaiah chapter 11. And the nations, you know, it talks about them coming in once a year and bringing their gifts in, and if they don't, it's not going to rain for three years. He talks about that with Egypt, you know, and he's, you know, he's going to judge the nations. But have you ever thought the saved Jews, the redeemed of all all mankind, even the former Jews, the patriarchs, after the resurrection and the host of heaven will be living in that promised land area on the earth and all the rest of the inhabitants of the earth be abroad in other nations around the world? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I wonder if it's going to be that way. Well, the thing about it is after the millennial reign of Christ, he goes back into heaven, takes all the saints with him, yeah. and then hell hits earth. Uh, the, the, the because in that thousand years, the the yeah at the end of it, the false prophet, the the beast is is chained and and, and he goes, they're gonna let Satan, him out. Satan is yeah. The false prophet and Antichrist already been cast. Yeah, yeah. they're already in there, but Satan has been bound up and he ain't been able to because oh, yeah. when Christ comes to reign, yeah. <laughs> he's out of here. But but when but Christ goes back, right. he comes out, 
And that's when the end comes. That's when exactly. the destruction and the annihilation of this world comes. That's and they keep talking about global warming, blah, 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 and we're going to destroy the sun. The Bible says a third of it's going to go away. Yeah. The, the, the moon, a third that, of it's going to go away. The a third of all the population of the world is going to die. A third of the fish are going to die. Before yeah. it's over, everything's going to die. Yeah, but you know where, where Peter even talks about it's going to roll up like the scroll and melt with a fervent heat yeah. and everything. That's going to be at the very, very end. At the, the end. Realm. He said that's the destruction of the earth that he sees in the vision. Exactly. And he says, this is the way he puts it, the very elements will burn. Exactly. And then that, that's, a, that's a picture of, of, a, of a nuclear explosion yeah. that's going to make the air burn. It's We've already seen it in atomics. What are you beating on him for? Uh, before we quit, uh, leave, I wanted to tell everybody, if you, in case you didn't know or hadn't read, uh, they came, it was yesterday. Uh, they were yesterday. Tuesday. Tuesday. Yesterday. That was yesterday. That was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Stanley Stevens came out and they, they, they did a number on everything and they, they did a fogger. Uh, thing and they did the whole church and everything is supposed to be uh, bacteria proof now they told uh, Vicky and Vicky and them tell the cleaners don't wipe it, just leave everything alone that stuff is on it it's supposed to kill all the germs and bacteria and, and it's good for two months so if you smell a little odor in here smell something different well that has been happening at the church so it's been everything I, I, in there I was when I first called Stanley Steamer the lady I was talking to, she asked me, you know, the direction to the church and everything. And I finally said, where are you? And she said, well, I'm in Pennsylvania. And I said, oh, well, then you don't know where Domino is. <laughs> so then she, then she had us on the internet, so she saw where we were located. But she was, I said, how long does that last? And she said, seven months. Oh. And I thought, yeah, I don't know that I believe that. But I didn't argue with her, but when, when the guys came, James and I asked him, well, he said, I don't know. I said, well, she told me seven months, and he said, let me call. So she, he called the, their corporate officer somewhere closer, and they said, up to up at least two months. And then I said, so you're telling me that if someone, once someone comes in here and they may have been exposed and they put their arm on this pew, can someone not catch it? And he said, no. He said, it's going to kill that on contact. That it, the residue, whatever, the mist, the fog, he's, they spray it hot. They open every drawer. Now, I got a call and say, ask, do I need to clean these dishes? I got I to gotta know if I got to wash they said Todd's coffee cup, but they opened all the cabinets. <laughs> they doors. have to give you a warning. Yeah. They didn't say uh, They said it didn't. Now, if somebody comes, it's sanitized. But if somebody comes in coughing and sneezing, it's got the virus or something or other, Everyone. it's in the air there then. Yeah, he so said, we don't guarantee you get that. But we'll set up some misters like they have at Six Flags back there and just spray everybody <laughs> every time. I'm going to stand in and do this right here. <laughs> I just want—I just want everybody to know that uh, that that had already taken place. So if you and, and I—I made copies of the book, the brochure that he left me, 
and I put it in, in all the bulletins to show it exactly what the uh, disinfectant was that they sprayed. Yeah. It's hospital, that's what they do, use in the hospitals. And they're doing, he said they have done a lot of churches. Yeah. So when um, visitors come in, they'll see that too. They yeah. do it at the Did school. they put a, something on the door? He left me some stickers to put on the door. He said, no, this, he said, I, I'm, I'll warn you, it's hard to get off. So you might want to, I said, I may just do some tape. And I called Melissa and I said, whatever you do, don't wipe the fuse and stuff yeah. down because that's what they've been doing. And she said, it won't make her mad. I made a point. I, I asked him a ton of questions. I know they were about getting tired of me, but I said, well, now we have a lady that comes in and sanitizes everything in here. And he said, she won't need to do that anymore. Yeah. He said, other than the, your cushions and your yeah. carpets. And yeah, I told her to continue vacuuming and the floor. Du and dusting, like that would do. dusting, that's what yeah. they do. All right. Thank y'all for being here tonight. Would you stand, please? Thank you. Uh, Brother Jeremiah, good to have you back. Could you dismiss us, please? Dear Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks for being able to be here today and learn of your word and of your love towards us. I just pray as we go out today that everyone's able to make it back safely this Sunday. In your name, amen. Amen. So y'all tell everybody to come back to church.